Well, hey, before we start our time in the Word, uh, one more announcement. Uh, and this announcement just kind of comes through the lens of Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6 uh, in, was when in the early church was happening, and uh, the leaders of the church, uh, the elders, were devoted. It says they were devoted to teaching the Word and to praying. They like loved God's people so much, they wanted to see Him grow, and they knew that the chief means of growth for the flock of God was if they would feed them well and pray for them and know them and disciple them well. And so uh, there, was, there was some like new needs that raised up. Um, there was uh, some Hellenistic Jews that needed help. And so their action, because they were devoted to preaching God's word and to praying, they said, here are seven men. We're going to appoint them and we are going to send them off so that they can handle the practical needs. And, and uh, some scholars say this is the first example of deacons. Um, and uh, what, what we're going to do, this announcement uh, today, is uh, we're asking for some help. Uh, one of our, our elders, Peter Leeper, uh, is overseeing not only the flock, uh, that's another word for elder is overseer, but he is also devoted to giving his life to our kids. Um, he is just serving in the kid zone and doing an awesome job. And uh, the announcement is this. We would, like to, we would like to include one other person to, uh, so that Peter can be devoted to the task of teaching God's Word, praying, and, uh, and, and shepherding the flock of God. And so we're looking for a person that is like super strong in the area of, of administration. Uh, this person, um, we'd love for them to do the scheduling uh, especially, as well as the recruiting of volunteers and, and signing them up, as well as um, uh, um, dispersing the curriculum, like making sure teachers have the right curriculum in their hand, um, ready and equipped, ready to teach our kids. And so uh, if you, uh, if that like gets your fire going, and if you would love to serve in that capacity, uh, then uh, side note about myself, there's words in my life that, I that I've learned that I say wrong. Anyone with me? Capacity is one of them. Probably about five years ago, my wife said, what did you say? And I said, capacity. And she's like, that's not the word. I don't think that means what you think it means, to quote Princess Bride, right? Capacity, right? So hold me accountable to that. It's if you have the capacity, the margin, and the desire to serve in that area administratively, please let myself know or Peter know. In the next three weeks, we will be devoted to praying for that to see the ministry of the Kid Zone advance. Uh, we'd love to talk to you and see your skill set, gift set, talk about expectations, what it would take, kind of the ins and outs, the ebbs and flows of that ministry. Uh, so that um, we, can, we can thrive. We especially believe that we need to hit a home run in the area of children's ministry. Us being a church in the Y, that this Y is solely devoted to daycare. And so we as a church want to be a church that like does a great job ministering and providing great resources for our kids and just on top of it we feel like from that we'll overflow our missions not only to this why but also in church planting like we just want to hit a home run there and so um 
If you want to talk to us, please come and talk to us. We'd be excited to do that. Cool? All right. Well, let's close that box and start our time together in the Word. Um, I married my sweet wife in 2003. We, we grew up together, uh, knowing each other from a young age. Uh, the uniqueness kind of about our relationship is that uh, my mom and dad uh, served with the Green Bay Packers, go Pack. Uh, dad was the chaplain of the Packers for 26 years, and Hannah's dad was the chaplain of the Cowboys for like over 30 years, okay? But he was also the chaplain of the Texas Rangers. Anybody a baseball fan in here? Yeah, there we go. Okay. And so every year, a part of Hannah's growing up was that right around springtime, they would load up in their big old conversion van that had like carpets even on the walls, right? And they would drive to Florida where the Texas Rangers would do their spring training, okay? And spring training, if you're not familiar with baseball, whether you're a rookie or whether you've been in the big leagues for 10 years, everybody goes through, tr through spring training. Um, unless you're like holding out for a big contract or something. But for the most part, everyone's going through spring training, okay? And uh, they all do the same thing. They all take grounders. They all take pop-ups. They all work on the mechanics of swinging. They all talk about the mechanics of what it means to throw a baseball, where to put their fingers on the seam. It is the fundamentals, okay? And everyone goes through it. And for us, as a church, uh, January is devoted to the fundamentals, okay? Whether you are uh, a new Christian, whether you maybe you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ like for the first time recently, or whether you've been in the faith for like 50 years, everyone needs to go through the fundamentals of the faith as an individual and as a community. And so we especially devote January to asking the questions like, what are we doing here? Like, what does it mean to be a Christian? And what are some things that Jesus wants us to do? And um, if you have been in the church, in the faith or whatever for a long time, maybe your reaction to like a month that's devoted to fundamentals and vision is something like this. Okay, ready? Oh man, here we go. I've heard this before. This is when pastors start using really long, multisyllabic words. They start talking about strategy and they talk about the three B's of the church. Does anyone know the three B's? Mm -hmm. Budgets, buildings, and how to get bottoms in the seats, right? It's like, okay, here, here we go. It's going to be grandiose. And um, hey, here at the gathering, we want to communicate the vision of our church. Uh, I think it's helpful to use pictures, right? Like I've read a few books in my lifetime. I still like pictures to remember things. And so we describe the vision of our church with three pictures. There are three arrows, okay? Um, one is up, one is out, one is in. So the next three weeks, we'll be talking about up today, out next week, and in the following week, okay? And really, just to like be totally down to earth and summarize them, all that we mean when we use those pictures is up. Ready? Hey, how you doing in your relationship with the Lord? 
Like these picture, pictures should be equipping and memorable for you because they capture the normative rhythms or flows of what we see in the life of Christ and in believers in the New Testament. So up, hey, how's your relationship with the Lord doing? Out. Hey, do you have a few people in your life that you are praying for and are devoted, for, devoted to and are reaching out to so that they can he, see and hear the love of Jesus? They don't know the Lord, they're lost, and you want to bring the gospel to them so that they're found, so that they know the Lord, so that one day we'll be in heaven all together worshiping him. Out arrow. You got a few people in your life like that? And then in arrow. Hey, do you have a few people in your life that really know you well? Like outside your family, who you're walking with in life, and they are, they are helping you follow Jesus. They know you, and they're asking you questions, not necessarily that you always want to hear, but maybe that you need to hear, right? Do you have a few people like that in your life? We're going to talk about those arrows for the next three weeks and how those play out in your life and in the life of the church. And so today is especially devoted to the up arrow, okay? So we're going to ask the question, hey, how's your walk with God? And we are going to go for it, friends. Brothers and sisters, we are going to tackle the, 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 the thing that Christendom has been talking about for a long time. We're going to talk about the quiet time. Okay? If we're going to ask, how you doing with the Lord? What we're going to do is we're going to talk about specifically what it means to meet with the Lord on a daily basis, to spend time with Him. If you think it's, it's cheesy to say the quiet time or whatever, that's fine, I'm all right with that. But I'm just going to use it because that's kind of what everyone knows and kind of most people use it like that. However, a lot of churches uh, through time, I've been a part of, of a lot of them, and I've, I've heard like just from a lot of you that you have, have heard people and pastors and leaders talk about the importance of having a quiet time. But you've said, no one has ever told me how to have one. What do I do? Like, I know it's important, but like, will you please be practical with me? Um, over the last year, we've, we've talked about this, and, uh, and I preached once on it, and overwhelmingly, um, your response was, please, share that with me again. Like, I need to hear it, and hear it, and hear it, because that's an area of my life that I need help in. I need help with, with meeting with the Lord. And so some of this material is new, some of it is old, and it's my responsibility as the teaching elder here not to present new material every week, but also play the role of the ministry of reminding, reminding believers um, how to love Christ with their life. And so uh, some of you, this will fall on your ears as new, and some of you will be like, ah, I need to hear that again. So, um, I pray that it'll help you and encourage you. And if you're at the point where maybe you've uh, made some New Year's resolutions, uh, it's January 12th, maybe this will encourage you to continue them. Um, maybe this will shape some for the rest of your year. So, um, so let's, let's do this. Let's pray one more time. Ask the Lord to settle our hearts and give us peace, and then we'll jump in, okay?
So, Father, we really do want to hear from you. And we're asking that you would would quiet our hearts and give us the supernatural ability to be hungry to hear from you, to be hungry for your scriptures, to be hungry to walk with you. And Lord, I pray that as we leave from here, we would say this, I was here for a purpose and I'm changed. Would you do that, Father? And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this morning it is called The Up Arrow. The title is just The Quiet Time. There's three points. Here's the first one if you're taking notes. Number one, decide that it is worth it. Uh, I've been walking with a few guys Tuesday morning at Chick-fil-A. We've been memorizing some uh, verses in Philippians. And so here's, here's a test for me. Ready, guys? Okay. Indeed, I count all things a loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I need to peek. I have, for His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may be found in Him. Then I gain Christ and may be found in Him. How'd I do? Maybe B, B plus or so. Yep. So, emphasis on knowing Christ and it being worth it. Okay? That decision, just to be practical right away, the decision to know God on a daily basis, not to, not to just have a relationship with Him that's nice, but to walk with Him. You must decide, and oftentimes, with, as it relates to the quiet time, it must be decided the night before. Right? It's difficult to like wake up and in the moment of grogginess decide oh, maybe I, should, like, maybe I should read God's word and pray, right? So for me, everything must be set out the night before. Like I got my Bible in the same place, the journal, I got my pen, honestly, so that in the morning I'm not looking all over the place for it, right? Like for me, I really struggle with decisions in the morning, like what pen I should use and like even where I should sit, And so, like, I've decided this is my chair and this is my Bible and I'm going to put it right here. Sometimes, most of the time, my wife makes the coffee, but a lot of times, the night before, we will do the measuring. We'll get everything ready so it's as simple as a flick on of the switch with the coffee pot. I want to, like, wake up, brush my teeth, and run to that chair because it's already been decided right? If, if I'm looking around too much, I'm wasting time, and then guess what? I'm a daddy, and my kids wake up, and if you're a mom or dad, you know that if you don't wake up before your kids, that opportunity for to be alone with God is gone, okay? And so, I would encourage you guys, like, decide that it's worth it the night before, right? Prepare the night before, Get out your chair, get out your mug, make that coffee, and go for it, okay? How's that for just immediately being practical, okay? Not trying to be too philosophical or theological, but just saying, hey, if it's important, go for it, plan for it, okay? All right, 
So, you're up. It's the morning time. You're in your chair. You got your coffee, okay? You got your tea, whatever you drink. What now? Like, what happens then? That's what we're going to talk about, okay? All right, so number two, pray, okay? Maybe your reaction is like this. Oh, come on, Newman! Like, help me out a little bit. Like, don't just say pray and move on. Like, I, I, I know that, but like, give me some tangible, like, help me out. Tell me and show me how do I walk with God now. Okay, so here's a verse that has been driving the bus for me in the morning. There's a lot of really good ones, but here's, here's, here's one that I like constantly come back to in my mind and heart. Okay, so before I open my Bible, I do like this with my head, boom, close my eyes, and the first words that are to God are this, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Lord, I want to be blessed. Lord, I want to see you. Like, I want to know you more. And it looks like that is very closely connected to my purity. And so, Lord, do I got any junk in my heart? That would be the real, like, chill way to say it. The, the biblical, like, theological way to say it would be, do I have any sin that I have committed that needs to be dealt with before you this morning? Because if I have sinned, I am not pure, therefore I can't see you. And if I, if I can't see you, I can't, I can't know you. My fellowship with you is broken. And so I pray that, right? Um, here's just another verse. It's up here for you, and uh, it's really cool, okay? Um, I've memorized this probably 10 years ago, and this has been daily a part of my prayer life when meeting with God in the mornings. It's the very tail end of Psalm 139. It says, search me, O God, and know me. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Watch this. See if there is any grievous way in me. Other translations, the NIV says offensive. See if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. It's a great prayer to start out your day. Lord, search me. You know my heart. Is there anything that would be offensive to you? Okay, and let's go one layer deeper in that, okay? If you pray that, if you like read through those verses, is that it? Like is there some like bell that rings or some like clouds that break in the sky? Like what happens then? Okay? And, um, and this, is, this is the part of the relationship with God that we don't often talk about, okay? Like, when, when you ask the Lord to search you with regards to the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who does the job of searching you? Who does it? That's right, it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who is at work within you, Right? The Holy Spirit indwells you. He's your guide. He's your counselor, your friend. He, when you receive Christ, He seals you uh, until the day of redemption. 
And he works in you to will and act according to his good purposes, right? He does the work of convicting you if you, if you have sin. He also does the work of comforting. Like he does all sorts of stuff. But right here, you're saying, Lord, if I've got sin, would your Holy Spirit convict me of it? And so after praying these two verses, I'm not trying to be formulaic, I'm trying to be helpful. When you say, search me, O God, when this happens in my heart, and this is what I'm doing to you this morning, I'm opening up my heart and saying, look, one of your elders isn't perfect, he sins too. Every morning, I got to confess my junk to the Lord. And so I open up my heart to the Lord, search me, and then the Holy Spirit convicts me by bringing things to mind that I have done that are sinful. And when I say done, that would be be, uh, sins of commission that I've actually performed, that I've done, but also sins of omission, things that I haven't done that I was supposed to, that the Holy Spirit was trying to lead me in. Or even my thoughts. Lord, forgive me for thinking those thoughts. How do I know those things that I've done, that I haven't done, those thoughts? I I listen in the quietness of my room, in my chair. I ask him to bring those to mind. This is not a, a mystical thing. This is the Holy Spirit's work in a person's life that he convicts, he brings to mind. And when they come to mind, it's it's awesome and hard at the same time. Okay, are you guys tracking with me so far? Okay, is this helpful? All right, so we're, we're, we're talking about having a quiet time. We haven't even opened up our Bibles yet, and we're talking about confession of sin. And we're saying, that's a big part. And so far, the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin, and now you've got two options, okay? If you're a picture person, you're, you've hit a fork in the road. What are you going to do when the Holy Spirit recalls or brings something to mind that is sinful? Two options. One is you confess your sin, okay? 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Cleanses you, purifies you, washes you. You're free, you're forgiven. So confession is agreeing that it's a sin, not fighting with it, but going, Lord, I, I did do that and that is offensive to you, please, would you forgive me of that sin? I confess to you now. If you've sinned against someone, it might mean that you get up from your chair and make that phone call. Don't be calling me around 5 a.m. though, okay? Um, but like, if, if you're across the room from your spouse or, you know, whatever, you got a friend and you need to shoot him a text or an email and say, hey, I need to talk to you later today. I need to ask your forgiveness about something. Like, my wife and I are doing that all the time as a part of our quiet time. Hey, baby, I, um, hey, I'm just, I'm convicted of something. The way I treated you yesterday, I, I need to apologize and if I don't do it, the scripture says that I'm, my prayers won't be effective. I'm not caring for you. We won't be in fellowship. So I just, I just want to say, I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me? And that is a beautiful thing called walking with God and having a quiet time and being right with him, okay? So 
you're convicted of sin, you respond with confession. 1 John 1, 9. Do you have another option? Yeah, you do. You, you do. Um, so the other verse that I included is uh, on the latter half of that one really nice slide. I'll pause for dramatic effect. Ready? Boom! Ephesians 4, 30. Okay? The other option is you can grieve the Spirit. Okay? I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. You've probably experienced it, but you've never like heard the biblical words or, or it being defined when you say no to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. His leading you in your life, in your life and you say, uh-uh, I ain't doing that. <laughs> okay? So like you, you're convicted of sin and you go, oh, that is a sin and that is too embarrassing for me to deal with. I'm going to stuff that down. No one will ever know. I ain't dealing with that. Okay, that's called grieving the Spirit. And I thought it would be helpful to just camp on that idea of grieving the Spirit for a while because uh, rarely is this taught, okay? Um, uh, when you grieve the Spirit, when you say no to Him, um, um, what happens is that you begin to callous your heart, your affections, your emotions, everything you are, you begin to your heart begins to harden towards the things of God. You don't experience the abundant life anymore. Your, your joy is stolen. Why? Because you're broken in fellowship with God. You're not pure at heart, so you're not seeing Him and you're not experiencing Him in the way that He intended. He wants you to be free of your sin. You're holding on. Um. This is, this is a significant part of the Christian life with regards to talking about what it means to grieve. So here's a few short notes on grieving the Holy Spirit. One, uh, one be encouraged that the, the verb to grieve is used by Paul talking about the Holy Spirit, meaning that the third person of the Godhead is a person right? He is a person. He's just not like some sort of thing that exists out there. He's a, a real person. But this person is God. And so his grief is not like our grief. So when we grieve the Holy Spirit, it's not like the Holy Spirit um, is in grief He's grieving, and he's in his bed for like three days out of commission, totally handicapped by our sin. It's like, it's, it's not like that. It's not like he's in this depression mode or something. He's not paralyzed in his grief. His grief is always holy. His grief is always undefiled by sin. It's not a sinful grief. And his grief, if I could describe it like this, it's a holy jealousy. Like he wants you to be in right relationship with God. It is, it's his whole M.O. Like his name is the Holy Spirit. He wants you to grow in holiness with God. Like that's his whole agenda with you. He wants you to be made and to be formed into the likeness of Jesus. And so it's his job. He wants it to happen. Uh, one 
theologian named John Calvin said this about the grief of the Holy Spirit. He said, no language can adequately express this solemn truth, (laughs) which should be encouraging. What he's ultimately saying is, this whole grief of the Holy Spirit is a little bit of a mystery, but it says it in in God's word. He experiences it as a result of my sin, and I don't want him to grieve. Is that, is that helpful? Is that clear? And so friends, let's not grieve the Holy Spirit. It's a command to us not to grieve him. All right, let's tie a little bow around point two, okay? So you're in your chair, you've prayed, and you said, Lord, search me. I, I, do I have a pure heart? And like, he begins to recall things to mind. You don't grieve him. You say, I don't want to grieve you, Lord. I want to walk with you. And so you confess your sins to him and you're forgiven. This is beautiful, right? You're like, you're in right standing with God, afresh. His mercies are new every morning. It's exciting. I want to know you, God, and the power of your res- resurrection. And the fa- I want to share in your sufferings, becoming like you somehow in your death. And somehow one day to attain to the resurrection of the dead. Uh, it's worth it. It's worth it. I want to know you. And then what do you do? All right, this is so like VBS-ish, second grade-ish, but I just, I, we're, just, we're all together in this walk with God, aren't we? One of my first delights as a shepherd is that I'm a sheep too, and I need to hear this. Ready? Number three, read. <laughs> Isn't that wild? I know. Read, read the scriptures. Like, if you have been coming here for a while, hopefully you've heard that many times. If you're going to stay here for a while, you will hear that many times. Like, the call, read the scriptures. Like, read your Bible from it is the very, like, words of life. That's what John said. Peter, where, where else would we go? For you have the words of eternal life. God's word is your daily bread. Do you want it? Do you want it even more than bread itself? Like more than breakfast? Do you want God's word, the Bible? So I want to encourage you in this again and again and again and again. Here's Psalm 119, verse 2. This is awesome. Ready? Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. Church of Christ, seek him Okay, Newman, how do I seek him, okay? So like you open up your Bible and you start reading. We're going to get to what you should read in a second. But like I think this is a really good mindset, posture, and prayer, okay? Ready? Lord, I pray that this wouldn't be just a bunch of information. I pray this would be transformation, right? A common prayer in my life would be, oh, Lord, I'm feeling a little dry. I pray that this would not just be ink on a page like I'm reading the Odyssey or some like other historical passage or piece of literature. This is life. Would you make it jump off the page for me? Right? Okay? Here's a guy who did this really well. If you're looking to read uh, books in 2020, uh, read uh, George Mueller's autobiography. George Mueller was a missionary in, uh, in England, and he started this orphanage. He's really well known for being a man of prayer and depending on God to provide his needs, okay? One of my favorite stories of George Mueller, side note, okay, is that he's got like this whole orphanage of kids and no food, 
And so the kids are like, George, Mr. Mueller, we're hungry. And he goes, well, let's set the table. So like they set out the, the, the forks and the knives and the spoons. They set out the plates. They set out the cups. There's nothing to drink. There's nothing to eat. George puts them all along the table. He says, hold hands and let's see how God provides. Lord, we love you. Would you provide in your name? Right? And then like knock on the door and and two people show up within like five, ten minutes of each other. Hey, uh, I was just driving my uh, milk wagon, and the wheel broke, and all the, all the milk's going to go bad, and uh, I don't know what to do. You guys, could you guys use like, like 20 gallons of milk, you know? And that's probably not the right accent. I should say it in like English accent. I'm just not the greatest with accents, you know? Um, and, and George was like, to God be the glory. Yeah, I was uh, 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 just going along with my ham here, and um, I've got all this extra ham. I don't know what happened, but uh, could you guys use some ham? Right, and all the kids are like, God is so good. God is so good, okay? Here's how George Mueller read the scriptures. He sat down in his chair, and it was like proverbially he locked himself in the chair, and he said, I am not going anywhere until I hear from the Spirit. How about that for a commitment? I want something for today, God. Would you speak to me through your word? And so like he'd sometimes read a verse and be like, oh, oh, I needed that. And sometimes it was like, what is there for me? Whew, come on. And like after seven chapters, oh, that's why you had me sit down today. The gathering if we did this, do you know how vibrant we would be with our walks with God? Do you know how many people would come to Christ as a result of the Word of God like meeting us and spewing out of our mouths? Do you know how many people would be encouraged and built up in the Lord as a result of us individually meeting with God? It'd be awesome. That is our call. That's our vision. That's what we're... we're saying today let's meet with god this year i need to cool it it's not in my notes here we go all right um if you don't do this okay um it will be dangerous for you there's great danger in not meeting and reading and hearing from god's word it is like a compass and if you get off track you will get lost okay let's let's get to practicals once again, okay? So you're opening God's word, okay? Um, I would encourage you to have a plan, all right? Have a plan. Have a plan on what you're going to read. Too often, this is what we, we do. Like we sit down and we go, all right, Lord, direct me. And so we take our Bibles and we throw them up in the air, proverbially, and it lands in somewhere in the Old Testament. And then we pick it up and it, we're like, and the Canaanites were slaughtered, and da, 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 and we're like, wow, what am I supposed to do here? <laughs> How am I supposed to apply that to my life? And you read it out of context, and it's like all sorts of dangerous stuff happens. And pretty soon, you start losing interest. And then your response to Revelation is this. Yeah, 
Big deal. And you just move on in your life. It's really important, actually, to have a plan. So here are some suggested plans. This is not thus saith the Lord, but these are just strategies to know God through his scriptures, okay? One, uh, read through the Bible in a year. There are some wonderful plans out there, some wonderful Bibles that are committed to that. If you want to talk more about that, wonderful. We can send out recommendations, suggestions, all that. Um, I would encourage you in your choosing of a Bible reading plan, if you do read the Bible in a year, hey, choose one that gives you like a day off here or there or a chance for you to make it up, right? Because a lot of times, like by February, you start getting discouraged when you're reading through the book of Leviticus and stuff. And like give yourself a little bit of chance to catch, do some catch-up work and things like that. So there's some great five-day plans out there. Um, thing, so just a suggestion. Number two, uh, book of the month, right? So uh, it keeps it nice and fresh. One month you do the Psalms and you need to read it fast. One month you do Jude and you need to read it really slow. And then you, you flip back and forth with genres. You do Old Testament narrative. You do a New Testament epistle. You do poetry. You do apocalyptic, right? And you kind of jump back and forth. Uh, if you read 12 books in one year by six, five years, you will have read through the whole Bible in a deep and meaningful manner, okay? That's a great strategy. Um, start a club, right? Book of the month club. Hey, you want in with me? This month I'm reading through the, this book, right? Uh, number three, uh, do the readings with your church. Okay, so every year, sorry, every month, we labor so that you would be a man or woman of the word in the scriptures. And, and we want you to read the Bible because we know that that is a significant way the believer grows, and a significant way the unbeliever comes to faith. Read 2 Timothy 3.15, okay? So uh, this is organized by day, and it follows the preaching calendar. The, 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 the method to this madness is whatever is given on Sunday would feed the flock, and that you would mull over it. You would chew it, right? So if you are a person that's like, I don't want seven books, I just want to study one thing, this is meant for that, to study with us the book that we're going through. Daily, you would have readings, and then in community group, you would say, oh, I've been wanting to talk about this because I need to, I, I, I've never heard that, or I, I need to apply it to my life. I don't know how. What do you guys think, right? That way, a sermon doesn't stay a monologue, but it comes into the pews and it bounces back and forth. It's like this idea of reverberation. And that way, like uh, Colossians 3 says, the word of God dwells richly among you. That way, like we're talking about the word together. If there was one strategy I would commend, it'd be this one. Because we're together. Like let's learn and study and talk about this together, okay? Um, and then um, if you're new to the faith, old to the faith, whatever, I would encourage you to, number four, join someone or have someone join you in the reading of scriptures so that you can bounce ideas off each other, so you can help each other. If they don't understand something, maybe you're a little older in the faith, you could help them. That's code language for discipleship, which is going to be a major theme this year that we're going to talk about. Okay, so coming uh, to a close with practicals, Okay. Um, some of you might go, okay, sweet. And that, that is certainly not a comprehensive um, 
um, message on how to read the scriptures. Much more to be said and done there. But let me just tell you um, um, this, okay? Um, I was teaching this material in Oklahoma 12 years ago, okay? At a camp, um, at a family camp, and one of the dads came up and said, hey, that was very helpful. Thank you for talking about confession of sin, for plans of reading the scriptures. Thank you. Hey, I would love to know, what, how do you help your wife in having a quiet time? And I went, oh, oh yeah. I was just, I was thinking of my stuff. But I suppose if I've been given charge to lead a woman and now to lead four of my daughters, I suppose I should have a pulse on their spiritual growth. Like I should, I should like be prayerful for them or like be mindful for my wife and, and what she does and what she's reading. I, I, should, I should care. I should pursue her in that. And that should be open dialogue in our marriage. Uh, and so this is coming out of a heart of like conviction and, and a gut check for me. Like Hannah is, is my wife. She's my wife. Like a very good practical question should be this coming from my mouth. Hey baby, what'd you, what'd you read in your quiet time today? What, what'd you learn? How did the Lord use the reading of the scriptures today in your life? in your heart. And so, to continue with practicals, here's what we try to do together. We're not perfect by any means, but this is just me trying to live out uh, the Christian life for the church that the Lord has entrusted me to, to care for. Number one, we try to wake up together. So provide some time to wake up, shower, like get in the word. If you, if you have kids, again, wake up before them. But like, wake up together, Okay. Uh, number two, go to bed together and try to do that earlier so that you can wake up on time. Um, um, three, this is super like simple, but um, I would love to encourage you to inject this into your nightly conversations, husbands and wives. Hey, babe, uh, what time are you getting up tomorrow? I know, I know, like, but this is like some good stuff that are like, that the church needs to be equipped with. And we ask that, this is going to sound not very romantic, we ask that to each other every night. More often than not, it's the same answer. But it's a gentle way to lead and also to say, hey, we're, we're going to do this together, right? Right. So what, what time? What time are we going to wake up? And we set our alarms. Actually, both of them. <laughs> we set two alarms so that we will wake up. Okay, um, number four. Okay, um, and this is an encouragement to men, um, uh, men who are married and have uh, wives who have children. So, married couples with children, guys, I would encourage you to uh, give your wife a chance to get out of the home a little bit, especially if she has young kids. Um, so, um, it is important. Jesus practiced solitude 
I would encourage you men to create a space for your wife to get away from the home to meet with God. Um, and put that on the calendar and stick to it, hold to it. I had to say no to something this week because I'm committed to getting my wife out of the house with Jesus. And that is a significant ministry to my kids. Uh, and number five, uh, talk to them about it, right? So what are you learning? What are you reading? Do you want to read with me? Do you want to pray with me? Okay? Do you kind of get the, uh, the DNA or the warp and woof of what I'm talking about? Walking with Jesus is not just this isolated thing that only you do, but it, it, it's more than that. All right, let's close it up. In summary, let's decide that it's worth it. Let's pray. Let's open the scriptures this year. Let's read, okay? Is it worth the price? Is it worth it? Like the price of intimacy, my friends, with God is very high. Like it will cost you. It will require an incredible amount of energy, focus, mental and spiritual sensitivity to know and study the scriptures so that you would be near him. Is it worth the price? Um, one guy named C.T. Studd, here's a quote for you. If any guy named C.T. Studd, you got to listen to that name, you know. So whatever he says, you got to If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me. No amount of sleep that you will lose will be, will be no sacrifice. King David thought it was worth it. Listen to this compilation of psalms put together. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation, watch this, all the day. How sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. David thought it was worth it. Paul, the Apostle Paul, he thought it was worth it too. Here's Philippians 3 again. Indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. So church, our prayer is that you would know him this year, that you would thrive, that you would flourish in the up arrow as, as we ask each other, hey, how are you doing with your walk with the Lord? That you would love him. And no other idols before him. With all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. All who you are for all of him. Let's pray. And so we want that, God. And we wait on you for that. Reveal to us what we should do as a result of hearing your scriptures this year. Lord, we know that you long for us to be a kind of people that are worshipers in spirit and in truth. Lord, would we hit that well? Would we, would we love you and worship you in, in full spirit and in full truth? 
In the next moments, we are going to take communion. Um, And I really want to encourage you as we move towards this time. um, There is there's that song that we sang early in the service. It says, I will wait for you. On your word, I will rely. And in the spirit of like George Mueller, I would encourage you, wait on the Lord. Strap yourself in and ask him, Lord, what is it that you have for me this year? How do you want me to know you more? If you're worth it, I'm going to wait on you. Lord, which verse? (laughs) If it's I'm relying on your word, which verse would you have me like obey, follow hard after you? Lord, in which ways have I erred? Lord, do I have any sin in my life? This is why communion's here. To give you space to confess your sins, to be examined by the Holy Spirit. And then to celebrate the forgiveness of Jesus. Communion is not just this time where it's like you have to be sad and, uh, and, and like mope around. It is confession and then it's celebration by taking the body and the bread of Jesus. And so pray. Confess your sins to him. And then when, when you're ready, come up and take the bread and take the cup. Move to the wings and pray with one another and celebrate the goodness of Jesus as you wait on him for your next.